Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Gathering Church, a place of grace. Sit back, relax, and listen in. God bless you. Well, <laughs> honestly, if you can take a guess as to what I'll be talking about today, I'll be talking about the good story of the Good Samaritan. And while this may be just a dramatic representation of what goes on in the Good Samaritan, um, a, lot of, a lot of times I, what I want to challenge with us today is, is, is a lot of times God gives us opportunities to minister to people who are hurting, who are broken, who are lost, who are dying. But like I did in the beginning, and like you'll see as the story goes on, we make excuses. We make excuses. We may say we're, we're too scared or, or this is too much, it's too messy, or uh, I, I don't want to do this, I'm busy right now, I got some other things to do, something's more important right now, and oh, oh, I, oh I can't touch that, I don't know what's going to do to me. Excuses. But, um, but I believe God is challenging us. As he gives us the opportunities, because the opportunities will come, but as he gives us that, we would take hold of the opportunity. And watch God transform not only the lives of others, but our lives as well. Amen? So why don't you turn with me this time, really, to the book of Luke. (laughs) Chapter 10. We're going to read verses 25 to 37. Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil, putting on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Now, I I, I love this story. Um, And and, and this is a popular story that many people know. But I just want to look into it and examine it. And, and see, see in this parable what God is trying to teach us here. So it starts off, um, starts off with Jesus, a, a lawyer. Some, somebody said an expert in the law. So some people say it's a lawyer. Some people say it's a religious scholar. But we know this person was an expert in, in the law, the commandments, the commandments, the ordinances of God. You know, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Exodus. He was an expert in those things. So as an expert in the law, he comes and he wants to challenge Jesus, as often most people do. Most people were trying to do in the New Testament. You see that from time to time, they try to challenge him. But I love Jesus. Jesus is just a, he's just like, he's just fly. Can I just say it like that? <laughs> he just fly. They always try to chop him. But, but, but as you just go and read through every, every part, 
find out he, they're the ones that get trapped in, in their own stuff. And he does it every time. And this, this time it's no different. So the expert of law comes and he asks, asks a question, which is probably still even a important question today. How does one inherit eternal life? Very popular. This is something that the rabbis and the scholars and the Pharisees of their time would debate and discuss about. And it's still, even today, something that's a debate, something that discusses what's internal, how do you inherit internal, how do you get into heaven. It's a discussion that goes on today. We thank God we got Jesus Christ, who our way, the way, the truth, and the life. But, you know, but we know that, but not everybody knows that. And it's also, so it's a debate that's goes, that goes on even today as to how to inherit internal life. So, so he's trying to see... Well, what does this rabbi have to say? What does this guy have to say about eternal love? Let me see if I can test him. And so what does Jesus do? He puts it back on that one of his strategies. He puts it right back on him. You tell me. You're the expert in the law. You tell me. What does the law say? What does scripture say? What does it say to you? And he gives, and he gives the best Jewish answer that, that you can hear. This is, a, this is um, let me make sure, I, I, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And then this is a famous scripture, Deuteronomy 6 and Leviticus 19. And, and actually, Pastor Bill, last, our speaker last week, Pastor Bill, talked about these, these scriptures when he was talking about fatherhood and what to teach because the Jewish people at the time, they looked at this scripture as, as really like Jesus said in Matthew and, and Mark, that this is, these are the scriptures where all the, all the law and the prophets hang on, these two scriptures here. So if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, and you love your neighbor as yourself, you would be fulfilling all the commands of God. And Jews knew this. So this, this, wasn't, a, a surpri- this wasn't a surprise that this man was able to answer this way. This was, this was the right way to generally answer. And Jesus said, hey, I agree with you. That's the way that you answer. You want eternal life. This is what you do. So he says to him, so, do, so go and do it. Which, as, as soon as he says go and do it, that just let me know one thing. And it lets us know one thing. And most likely he probably wasn't doing it somewhere. <laughs> he, he didn't tell him, yeah, that, and that's exact, he didn't tell him, that's exactly what you're doing. No, he said, no, you go and do it. So, and you know he probably didn't want to do it because the next verse says, and so wanting to justify himself. So, I mean, in other words, oh, I'm missing it somewhere. I need to find a way to justify myself. Let me find a way to justify myself in this. He looks. He looks. So he, he doesn't go into love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and so. And, some, and some, as, as, as I looked, some scholars say, well, he probably didn't go there because he probably didn't think that he... You know, you know, that could be too hard for him to try to show how he loved the Lord of God and all his might and all this. So that's too hard. But he said, but maybe I could get away with love your neighbor. I could get away with love your neighbor because, hey, you know, you know, in Jewish times, loving your neighbor meant loving the Jew. That's who, the, that's as far as they're concerned, that was, that was the neighbor. Love your fellow Jew. Love your fellow brother in God. Love your Jew. And that, and that was it. A Gentile, you know, if, if, if that was a, if that, you know, in the story of the parable, if that was a Gentile on the ground, they didn't necessarily have to do anything. Because a Gentile wasn't considered the same as a Jew. That, that, but a Jew was love your neighbor. Now, that, that might seem too strange, but in reality, even today, and we could think about, you know, the, back in the time of the civil rights when, when blacks and whites were not considered equal. Blacks were considered less than. If a black was on the ground, a white man could walk off and do nothing, and it was okay, because they weren't really human. You know? Back in the day, women, back even in the scripture times, women were not, were not, were not as equal as men. They were considered less than. Rabbis and scholars would pray, thank God I'm not a woman. They were not great. They, as far as they're concerned, they were not equal. And still, even today, at times, there are still, debut, still disputes between races. I'm a Puerto Rican, and back in, the, back in my day, it was, you just didn't like Dominicans. 
it's, for some it still is. Although nowadays, now I hear the Mexican is the new Dominican. So now the, everybody don't like the Mexicans because the Mexicans are coming in and taking the jobs. and, and doing, So now it's the Mexicans, those immigrants. Meanwhile, you are an immigrant yourself. What are you talking about? But anyway, <laughs> but those immigrants, back in my day, you could not call a West Indian black because they would hurt you. Because I don't want to be associated with a black person. Oh, no. They're ghetto. Oh, no. They don't want to do for themselves. I'm not black. I don't know if that's still the case. Maybe it is still the case in some people. But back, back in the day, you could not call them black. You know? And, and still today, Asians, the one of Asians, everybody, you know, back in my neighborhood, you would always, make, everybody would make fun, of, make fun of Bruce. His name was never Bruce, but they always called him Bruce Lee because he's the guy at the Chinese store would call him Bruce. They never called him by his real name, they would call him Bruce for Bruce Lee. And they would make fun of him. Oh, you stay here for hours and then you'll know. <laughs> And then you pay right now and, you know, all those different jokes. But as far as they're concerned, he was less than. They were less than. I don't know. Those are funny, right? But again, it's this issue of looking at people less than. So we still, even today, we look at different people that we deal with. Some people don't want to deal with people in the ghetto. Because as far as they're concerned, it's just, I don't want to deal with those people. They're just, they're just so loud and... They're just so messy and, oh, God, what's wrong with them? They don't know how, they don't have, they don't want to do nothing. They just want to sit in the corner and smoke it. That's, man, I don't want to deal with that. So, 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 so here it is. The expert in the law says, well, then who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? Surely I, I, I can get away because I, I, I'm good to, I'm good to, to my Jewish, I'm good to, she, she, she goes to church and, and she got a job. She's a lawyer. It's that, that I can deal with. I can deal with her right here. So this is good. This is easy. She, she got IQ going here. So that I could deal with this. <laughs> but that over there, no. Okay. So this is my neighbor. I'm good with this. <laughs> so who's my neighbor? So I love Jesus. Jesus' response is simply, he starts telling the story. So he starts telling the story of a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. So because of the travel between Jerusalem to Jericho, most likely you know already that he was most likely a Jew. This person was, even though it doesn't say he was, he was most likely a Jew because Jews would travel back and forth from Jerusalem to Jericho very often. And during the, this, this kind of journey was a 17-mile journey, so it wasn't something you would take, take in one day very easily. It was a long journey, but it was also a treacherous journey. There were a lot of caves that a lot of caves where a lot of thieves and robbers were known to hide. So, it, so to hear that somebody would get beat up and, and assaulted was nothing that was surprising to people. So when Jesus was telling the story to this lawyer, he, he, he knew this, is, this, is like a, this could be a, a real story. Because it, it wasn't unlike, was it something that was far-fetched. It was something, something that really happened. People would get mugged and robbed. As a matter of fact, one scholar named Josephus, who was a, a Jewish historian, he would talk about how the Jews would carry weapons as it would go through this road. Why? Because they needed to be protect, protect themselves. And this man was by himself, probably didn't have no weapons, but he was just traveling through. He got assaulted, got robbed, got beaten, and got left for dead. And so he's there. So, so he says, they're left for dead, and so who passes by? Well, we have two people who pass by. I love the, I love the way... Two people pass by first, or there's three people who pass by in total. The first two, I love the way Jesus does this. He starts right away. He goes straight for the juggler. A priest. A priest passes by. Now, why would you equate that today? Well, that's, that's, that's the religious leader. That's, in our day, that's the pastor. In our day, that's the prophet, the fivefold ministry, apostle, prophet, evangelist, the bishop, and the archbishops, and the apostles, and the, oh my God, the most high reverends. You, you go down the list. <laughs> Maybe I added that one a little bit more. But, <laughs> but you get my point. <laughs> These are people in high position, in leadership, religiously speaking. 
They were the leaders, the teachers, the ones who you expect to do something. They minister to people on a regular basis. They deal with people on a regular basis. They, they teach the word. They know the word. They know about loving your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. Of course they do. So, and they know they have to love their neighbors as themselves. So, of course, they're going to do something about it. What do they do? What does the priest do? He looks, sees them, and not only does he pass on by, let me correct myself, because, because he was here, Stephen was here, but he actually goes on the other side. Doesn't even want to get near. How insulting is that? The priest. No, you got to love your neighbor. You want to hurt and turn alive, you got to love your neighbor. That's, you said that's your neighbor. But he leaves. The next guy, a Levite. Those were of the tribe, tribe the, those were one of the tribes of Judah, but the ones who God had, had, had um, shown to be the dedicated people of God. He dedicated these, this tribe to be for him, to be the priest, to be the servants in the house of God, to work in the temple, to work for the temple, and to, to help with all the, all, the, all the things that had to be dealt with in terms of the temple, and in terms of the Ark of the Covenant. They would be the people who would bear the Ark of the Covenant. These are the Levites. Today you would probably consider them the worship leader. Today you would consider them the choir, the choir directors. Today you would consider them the ushers. In our church you would consider the audio team, the visual team, the worship team, the service team. Those are the Levites. And what does the Levite do? Now obviously, you know, again, they're even, they're not only teachers, but they, you know, they, they deal with, they serve people, you know. They do things for people. They serve in the house of God. They're dedicated. Levites set apart for God. So what do they do? What does the Levite do? The same thing that the priest does. He looks, sees, and just goes on to the other side. And and, and so you can I can imagine the lawyer, even though it doesn't say can imagine him sitting here thinking, wait, these two are people of God. These two are, 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 are leaders, religious leaders or religious servants. And there's a Jew on the floor. But they didn't. Now people try to, um, try to figure out why. Why did they do that? And some people say, well, because, because the man was half dead, then in order for them to do anything for them, they would have to probably touch him. So, and because, because for the priests and for the Levites, they didn't want to be considered unclean. They said, well, we just need to leave it alone. Just leave it alone, pass by on the other, other side, and leave that alone. Because as far as I'm concerned, I'm not going to be unclean. Check out that attitude. Someone's dying on the floor, and you're worried about being unclean. Hmm. Some people say, well, they, some of us think that, well, maybe, you know, Again, the robbers, they were afraid that the robbers were going to come back. And so in order to protect themselves, they said, um, we just need to go. <laughs> so for fear, they left. Left him for dead. Because it's, like, it's not like there was, not like there was a, you know, like, you know, it's not like there was going to be a hospital right around the corner they could go to. He needed help. He needed someone they were going to leave him for dead. Now, you know, that, seems, that may seem cool and far-fetched, but sometimes, I, I, you know, as I look at this, I sometimes look at, look at myself, and I look at others. I looked at an opportunity. I remember just, just this week I was going on, on, the, on the street. I went to Target. My wife asked me to pick up some stuff from Target, so I went to Target, picked some stuff up, and, you know, and I just met with the pastors, and we were talking about, you know, we, we need to do things to just reach out and reach out to people. And I, I said, and I was like in agreement, yes, we need to do it. And I, and I had, so I'm in Target, and I'm coming back. And of all the days, I, I, you know, I've been through um, the area that I, that I live on on Grand Avenue, and I'm always 
walking back and forth and not really, I guess I'm just not always paying attention. It just happened today that I was actually paying attention and I looked at the park that was right across the street from the school that's right next to where we live. And, and I saw all these people there, all these young people, you know, young and older, mixed, some playing ball, some sitting down, and so on. And I just, I just felt to, hey, why don't you go hand out cards? Hand out cards. Reach out. Just go, 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 go make a touch, as Pastor Alberta said. Make a touch. Make a real touch. But I said, but I got my target card. I got my target bags right now. Let me go home first. And, no, I need to, you know, I can't do this. I, first, of all, first of all, I'm not that kind of person to just go up and do anything to anybody. It's just, it's just, I'm not an initiator. It's just not always me. And I got my target bags. I need to take this up upstairs. My wife expects me to have this stuff upstairs. So as far as I'm concerned, I need, I need, let me go home. Maybe I'll come back down. As you can guess, I never came back down. <laughs> and then I realized afterwards that was a lost opportunity. Sometimes, and um, you, I hope you still love me, after, after I say this, sometimes I look at our chairs, and I see empty chairs, and I see beyond just seeing empty chairs, I see lost opportunities. Not because of my fear, or because um, of my distractions, what I think is important, I decide to ignore what God is leading me to do, and there goes the opportunity. So here it is, the priest and the Levite, they lost their opportunity. But then what does Jesus do? Jesus is brilliant. Because the next guy that comes is not only not a religious leader, so it's not even a religious, just a regular person. But then he goes on, he brings a Samaritan of all people. So, you know, it's not, you know, it's not just anybody, not just another Jew that comes by. It's a Samaritan. And, far as, and, and as far as you may, and as much as you know already, Samaritan Jews did not get along at all. As a matter of fact, they were looked on as enemies. So you think whatever enemies of your people you have, that, that, that was the enemy. If you in America today, I would, liken, I would dare to liken that as to Al-Qaeda. There was an Al-Qaeda member coming by to help the man. That's who's, that's who's the one who goes and decides to help. Now, now the lawyer, is his world is about to get rocked. His world is about to get shaken. Because now what God is trying to tell him is, listen, you're, 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 looking, at, you're looking at trying to get away with, with just being with what you're comfortable with. But I'm going to show you this man who's a Samaritan who's looking at a Jew who shouldn't have anything to do with the Jew, but he decides, I need to help her. And here it is. You saying you go, you're able to love your neighbor because you can inherit a life because you can love your neighbor as yourself. But here it is. Your enemy is doing so much better than you who say you're a man or woman of God. So let's look at what he does. And this is what I believe that as God is challenging us to take hold of our opportunities. As God is challenging, because opportunities are there. I don't know if you, you, you really realize it. You know, one of the things I, I was, as I was looking at this, I said, you know, one of the difficulties is I, I work in New York still. I'm, I'm praying to be able to work somewhere else one day. But I work in New York. New York still. But in New York, the part of the difficulty is your approach I'm literally approached at least two to five times a day by someone who's in need. Easily. At least two. And sometimes five, sometimes maybe even more. If I stay long enough, forget it. <laughs> two to five times a day. I need, need help. I need money. I need this. They just, so, so sometimes, even in New York, you can just get so overwhelmed that you just start to turn off. And then what's real tricky is when you're dealing with Hackensack, you know, Hackensack is like paradise compared to New York. 
It is. I'm real. I, when we came in to Hackensack and moved, moved in August, I was like, wow. I, I woke up one day and I looked out the window and I said, oh my gosh, there's flowers. That just rocked my world. I was like, oh my gosh, I wake up and there's flowers in my window. I was like, oh my gosh, there's, there's a rabbit. The first day we came, there was a rabbit at the house. I said, baby, there's a rabbit. It's not a rat. It's a rabbit. It's, oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, you don't get It's not the same critters anymore. It's just totally different critters now. Instead of roaches, it's ants. <laughs> it's like, wow. Oh. You got crickets galore talking to you in the night. Birds in the morning, you can hear them as clear as day. And I I barely see a pigeon anymore. I see all sorts of birds I've never seen in my life. I rarely ever get to see a pigeon. Go to New York, pigeons are talking to you. But over here, yeah. Totally different world. And, you know, and I do. I, I, th- I thank God. It's like, wow, this is a new environment. It's great. But it can also fool you. Because everything looks nice on the outside. It's nice. It's quiet. Ain't nobody hanging out. Ain't nobody hanging You know, it's nice. It's quiet. It's just totally different from New York. So you think all is well. Mm-hmm. All is well. It's all nice. It's all good. Everybody's living well. Meanwhile, people here are dying too. People here are lost too. There's gang activity in Hackensack, and we, and we just act like there's nothing going on. There's drug activity in Hackensack. But as far as we're concerned, all is well. All is good. There's alcoholism in Hackensack, but all is well. All is good. There's abuse going on in Hackensack, but all is well. All is good because it just looks so nice. You know, at least in New York, at least you know there's something wrong. You can't hide it. But in Hackensack, they they put it to the side. It's in this one little area you see here. You're over here, so it's okay. It's all the way over there, so you don't... You're separated. You're on the other side. With the priests and the Levites. You're on the other side. Don't need to deal with it. But we have an opportunity. Like, 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 like Abel, whose blood is crying out. There is blood in Hackensack crying out for justice. Crying out for mercy, crying out for someone to take hold of the opportunity. And this is how the Samaritan take, take, took hold of the opportunity. The first thing he did was he saw. He saw. And I think sometimes, you know, like I said, we, because we get so exposed to so many things, sometimes we tend to turn it off. But I think sometimes we need to stop. And take a moment and just really look. Do some research. Look online. Really look at the news. I'm not one to always want to look at the news. But I thank God for my wife because my wife is dedicated to watching the news. <laughs> so if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't know nothing. <laughs> but, uh, but we watch the news and I, oh wow. Oh wow. And using those different things. To, to see, take a look, and see, don't turn your eyes, don't turn your back, don't turn it down. See, look, let the emotions, whatever emotions may come, come, but see. But you can't just stay there, because, because as far as I was concerned, the priest and the Levite, they saw too. So a lot of us see, but we, so a lot of us can see, but we, we can't, can't stay there. The second thing that he did was that scripture says is he had pity on them. He had pity on them. Now, 
in, in um, as you know, the scriptures, the scriptures original language was Greek. And the, and the Greek word for pity was often used to mean moved, but moved in the bowels. I know that sounds strange, like, ew, moved in the bowels? What is that about? <laughs> like, ooh, okay. <laughs> but what, what um, the people at that time believed is that the bowels was a place of both pity and love. So in a sense, they were saying, what they were saying was that coming from within, from deep within, this guy was moved. This guy not only, saw, not only saw that he was hurt, but he was moved. In other words, love and mercy began to move him. God's love began to move him to act. Now, in, now, First John 4, 7, and 8, and we know, know it, I know a song that goes, and I always know the scripture because I always know the song. It goes, brethren, let us love one another. Beloved of God, everyone that loves is born of God, knows God. He that loves not, knows not God. Why? For God is love. God is love. You see, what, what Jesus was trying to tell him is, you can sit here and tell me, that I will love the Lord, I love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul, with all my strength. And you can try to say you love your neighbor as yourself, but in reality you don't. And if you don't love your neighbor as yourself, then how are you going to say you love God? See, because if you were to really love God, then you, God's love will move you to love a neighbor. To love your neighbor. To love even the person that you don't normally deal with. Even that person that you don't want to deal with. God's love will cause you to move. But if you are not loving your neighbor, then you are, you are telling me is you really don't love God. And it is God's love. It's God's, that's the challenge when we're called to take hold of the opportunity. Are we loving our neighbor? Because it's easy to love y'all. I love y'all. I love everyone here. I can say that real easy. I love y'all. I work with you. I, I know you. I know you. I work with you. We serve together. We pray together. It's easy to love you. Out there is another story. And that's the opportunity we need to get hold of. Are we going to, if we're going to say that we love God, then we have to love people. We have to let God's love penetrate us. We have to be able to take some risk. It's risky, I know. But we have to be able to take the risk to allow God's love to not only penetrate our heart and mind, but cause us to move. Cause us to take a step. Cause us to do something that we're just not even so used to doing. Why? Because we love God. And if God is saying, if God's love is moving us to go and minister to this person, even though we're not used to it, well, God, I'm going to follow your love. I'm going to be moved with your compassion. I'm going to take the step. I'm going to reach out. And the next thing he did, I, I love it, says he says, says he saw him. It says he had pity on him. The next thing he says is he went to him. And I, and I had to stop right there and say, you know, I realized something. I, I know for, I, let me talk about my, my, my opinion. For, with our church, I want our church to grow. I know, I know even as other people might, may hear this, they want their churches to grow too. We want our church to grow. It's natural. Because growth means there's life. There's breath. Things are happening. It's happening. <laughs> Pastors will know what I'm talking about. It's happening. <laughs> but... What's interesting is, is that sometimes we just want it to happen and not do anything about it. We want it to happen to just kind of, like somebody's just going to pop here out of nowhere. As, or, you know, they're, they're just going to hear the voice of the Lord saying, come to the gathering church. Come right now to 960 River Road. Yes, God is calling you. Yes, yes, says, come, come, come. And they're just going to be here. Or sometimes we think, well, we do ads and we do the website, we do the iPhone app, so, and so somebody's going to hear it and then they're just going to... 
it would be interesting if the Samaritan saw him, looked at him, had pity, like, oh, I need to do something, but still decided to stay right here. It's not enough to just stay right here. It's, he had to, in order to really act in love, he had to go. He had to go. He had to go. Matthew 28, 19, it says simply this, go and make disciples. It did not say stay and make disciples. It said go and make disciples. The truth of the matter is we need to go. We need to go to them. We need to go where they're at. And you know where they're at. You know the opportunities that God has given. You know the spheres of influence that you have around you. You need to go. You can't stay in your little bubble. You can't stay in your little office. I, I, I am so, I love my pastor. I, I get to brag about him because he's not here right now. He's taking a break. Hallelujah. So I'm going to brag about him even though he'll probably hear it later. But, I, <laughs> but I'm going to brag about him now so he won't bother me later. So, so, so I'll have to see his face. And, but, uh, you know, but I, I love him. Because one of the things he, 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 shared with, he shared with the pastors is, he's gotten to the realization that it's almost too easy as a pastor to be put in a bubble. To just go into your office, do what you do in your office, and then go home for the rest of the day and just be, you know, with your wife, with your love, with your family, to be in your bubble. And he said, man, I have, to, I have to go out. I have to go out. I, I have to connect with people. I have to, I, it just can't be in the office. And I believe, and I would even dare to challenge you that in your life, wherever you are, in your jobs, in in your office, whether you're in full-time ministry or not, there are people around you that are waiting for you. You know, sometimes we're waiting for God to do something, and God's like waiting for you. Just go. Just go. They're right there, right next to you, right around you. Some of you, for some of us, for us even in our own families, we just need to, to go. Go. He went to them. Then what does he do? He touches them. He goes and stakes and he starts bandaging him up and he starts pouring oil and wine. He touches them. And, that, and, and, and you know, there, I, 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 I know most of you can agree there is something powerful about a touch. You know, you can just say, you can talk, but I got her attention now because I touched. And there's something powerful in a touch. You know, when Jesus, about more than 90% of the time, when he healed, he touched. Only but so many times that he just spoke. And even then, there was still somebody somewhere. He touched. He touched. Why? Because... Because people, people, we, you know, we, we, we tried, especially, you know, we had the men's group yesterday. We talked about men. And one of the things one of the brothers said was that, man, we try to, we try to handle it ourselves. You know, we, we, we got this. We got this. We, got, we try to handle it ourselves. But the reality is we need, we need. Even men, as, far, as much as we try to be strong, we need. And we need a touch. And people are looking for you to touch. That's what we talk about. That's why we sow those videos every week. I know some of you are like, oh, there goes the invite video again. <sighs> I know. I do it. I'm, I'm one of them. There goes the invite video again. Okay. We're just going to sit there and watch. No, no because the, the challenge is, is that people need to be touched. We need to get out of our comfort zone. We need to go and not just go, but we need to touch them right where they're at. I'm, I remember a, I remember a story I remember in my life where I did take an opportunity, and the opportunity was I had a, it was a young person in the choir, new to the choir, young man, and um, this was a, one of those men that I would normally not associate with, because you know he was from the streets. Even though I was from the streets, I'm not you know I wasn't. <laughs> I was been born. It might have been born in the Bronx, but I wasn't Bronx-ish. Let me put it like that. <laughs> Let me put it like that. <laughs> you know? So it's just, so, you know, as far as I'm concerned, we were in two different worlds. 
So, you know, I knew him. I was running with him. It wasn't, I didn't have anything against him. I just, just no one didn't relate. But God began to put in my heart to reach out to him. And, of course, as I did before, I made it start to make excuses. I don't know, you know, am I qualified? Do I really want to do this? What is he going to act like? What if he tells me, get away from me? You know, those kind of, all those different fears came out. But I decided, but at this time, I, you know, I felt the Lord really move me. I said, you know what? I can't just stay here. I can't just stay with this. I have to do this. Let me go. So after rehearsal, I went. And I talked to him. I said, hey, what's going on? And he, you know, we just began to talk. And we just began to share and share. And for the next thing you know, a couple of hours went by without even knowing. And we're just sharing and talking and sharing. And by the end of it, his, his continence totally changed. He, he, felt, he felt much better. He felt healed. And 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 I was like I was and I was just amazed that God would just little old me would just use me. That's when I realized that I guess I am called to ministry because <laughs> here it is, God would use me. An opportunity because he would this young man was down. He was down. And he was, he was ready to give up. But God allowed me to to just be a vessel to just go and touch him, spend some time with him touch him, get messy, let him talk about the problem. Sometimes we don't want to deal with the mess, and it, might, and it is going to get messy. Those were real wounds, but he touched them. And we got to be able to touch those wounds. Some of them might even get angry because you're touching the wounds. Because some people when some people are like, are like you, know, you know, when you try to touch a dog, when a dog gets hurt, you know what they do? They try to bite you. Because their instinct is to, no, don't touch me. They think you're going to hurt them. But, but, but you have two choices. What do you do? Just let the dog die on its own? Or do you still go and try to help? And then I think there's some people that, you know, you might get reactions from. But it's okay. Because all that is, is means is that they're wounded and they need to be healed. So we need to go and touch. So he touches, touches them. And then finally, he gave what he had. So he he bandages him, he heals him, um, he, he puts the oil on him, and then he puts him on his donkey, takes him to an inn, and what the scripture says, he, he gave them two denarii. Uh, he gave the innkeeper two denarii. And what that, uh, a denarii was an equivalent to a day's wages. So his, his whole paycheck for the day, was in, was two days worth of pay, was, was what he gave for this man. How many of us can say we could get two days' wages for anything? <laughs> for anybody, especially someone we don't know. Lord, help us. And what, what's interesting is, as you study even, even more, one commentator said that, that those, two days, uh, those two days of wages was probably equivalent to a whole three-and-a-half-week three, three and a half week stay at the, at the end. So he literally paid not just for two days, one or two days. He paid for three-and-a-half weeks. So you can imagine today how much that would cost. But he gave. Sacrificially he gave. And God is calling us in the same way to take hold of the opportunity. Not only do we not only do we have to see, not only do we have to not only do we have to have the love of God in us, not only do we have to go, not only do we have to touch, but we have to be ready to give. To give of what we have. To give of our finances to give of our skills, to give of our talents, to give of our times, to give. Then finally, where's he? So, he, so he, he gave, and finally, he gives, the man gets healed, and, this, and Jesus moves on. He says, so now tell me, um, lawyer, who is the one who is being the neighbor? I love the lawyer's response, because he could it just showed he really had issues. <laughs> because he couldn't even come to say it was the Samaritan. All he could say it was the one who had mercy. And God's challenge to him. You go and do likewise. And so my challenge to us today is this. You know, we have an opportunity on August 7th. August 7th, we're having this outreach in, in the area of Hackensack. And what this outreach is going to do is going to specifically target those who are involved with gangs, 
those who are involved with drugs and addictions, alcohol addiction, those who are homeless are going to be there. The children in the community are going to be targeted to reach out. So this means that we, along with other churches in Hackensack, have an opportunity. An opportunity like never before to take hold of. Where we can not only see the need, because some of us just need to see the need, we can see it, we can allow God's love to touch us, we can go, go and actually touch, be connect with these people and give of what we have to minister on August 7th. But even beyond August 7th, right where we're at, right wherever you're at, Whatever spirit influence God has called you, your, your friends, your neighbors, you know, your neighborhood, your community, wherever God has called you at, where you are at right now. Scripture says he sets the times and the seasons and the places for everyone and the boundaries of where they live in. Why? For his purpose. So right where you're at, you have an opportunity to minister to the needs. And if you're going to say you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, you can sit here and say, there is a God who loves me, wraps me in his arm in a place where I can belong. And we can sit here and sing, wrap me in your arms, wrap me in your arms, wrap me in your arms, and not, love our not, and not look at the need and not respond to it. There is a problem. Because you're not really being wrapped in his arms. Because if you were wrapped in his arms, you would be moved with compassion. And you would respond to the need. So my challenge is to you, if you're ready to respond to the need, why don't you just stand with me? If you're ready to respond to the need, whether it be in the community, or whether it be on August 7th, to respond to the need, you know, to reach out, to touch, <laughs> to give what you have, to see, to see it, and to go. And I know it's not easy. I, like I said, I, I failed last week. I failed. But I know that he that has begun a good work in me shall continue to perform it. And he's the one who both causes me both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So all I have to do is say, Lord, take me. Lord, here I am. Lord, I say yes now. I didn't say yes last week, but I'm saying yes right now. Lord, I'm going to let your love move me. Lord, uh, um, Lord, if you say go, I'm going to go. If you say touch, I'm going to touch. If you say give, I'm going to give. Whatever it is you call me to do, I will too. Because there are people who are dying. It's no joke time so why don't we just lift up our hands as a, just a sign of surrender let's just do that let's just surrender to the Lord Father we thank you as you spoke Lord God to the lawyer Lord God as you spoke to the expert in the law Lord God who was, who was, a, who was a Jew Lord God who believed in your word Lord God and she said, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength, Lord God. Father, we declare our love for you, Lord God, that we do love you, Lord God. We do love you and we do desire to love you even more with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our mind and with all our strength, Lord God. But you not only cause us to love you this way, Lord God, Lord God, but you called us to love each other, Lord God, to love your neighbor, Lord God. And our neighbors is not just our friends. It's not just the people that we're comfortable with. It's not just the believers in the church, Lord God. But are you calling us to the world, to love the world, to love those who are hurting, to love those who are dying, to love those, Lord God, who are, Lord God, in some mess, Lord God. You're calling us to go, Lord God, to go to them, Lord God, and to share your love, Lord God, to be moved by love and to share your love, Lord God, to share your grace, Lord God. You were so moved by love that you came down in the form of man, humbled yourself, became obedient unto death, oh God. Even the death of the cross. Look, God can help us to follow that very example, oh God. That we will follow you. We will be moved by your love, Lord God. Fill us with your love, oh God. 
for your people. Fill us with your love, Lord God, for your creation, Lord God. Fill us with your love for the lost, Lord God. Give us your heart for the lost, Lord God. Your heart, Lord God, that we will be moved, Lord God, in such a way, Lord God, that we will go, Lord God. Go, Lord God, to, Lord God, those people that we know, Lord God. Go to those that we know are hurting, Lord God. That we will go, Lord God, even on August 7th, Lord God. Go, Lord God, Jesus. And wherever, God, you're calling us to go, that we will go, Lord God, and touch and, and give, Lord God, Jesus. And do what it is you are calling us and leading us to do, Lord God. We pray for, the, we pray for those people even now, Lord God. As we, Lord God, even now just think of, of, of one or two, Lord God, people, Lord God. We pray for them even now, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that you, Lord God, would just give us what we need, Lord God, to go, Lord God. And that you, Lord God, would go before us, Lord God, and prepare the way, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. We pray for Holy Ghost encounters, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, for those opportunities to show up again, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, Jesus, that you would just do your work, Lord God, and bring healing and, and bring change and, and bring transformation. Deliver them, Lord God. Deliver them, Lord God, Jesus, and, and just allow us to be your ministers, Lord God. Allow us to be a real neighbor, Lord God, to these people, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, Father, we need you, Lord God. Fill us, Lord God. Transform us, Lord God. Renew us, Lord God. That we could be agents of transformation to the world, Lord God. We thank you that no longer will the opportunities be lost, Lord God. We declare, Lord God, we decree, Lord God, we believe, Lord God. That the opportunities will no longer just be lost, but we will take hold of it. Take hold. We would go. We would do it. And see you do above and beyond what we could even ask or think or imagine. And we will see the fruit. We will see lives change. We will see lives transform. We will see things happen in this church and in our lives, in our families, in our friends. We will see, Lord God, as we go, Lord God. Father, we just thank you. We praise you, we lift you up, and we adore you. In Jesus' name, amen.